And welcome back to Martha Norwalk's Animal World for a Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the month, which means that either Martha's got a terrible cold or she's not here. And so she's not here because this is Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald. And uh, we've got to, uh, some great guests for you today. Um, we're having a good time here. Last hour, we talked to Holly Berry. Not Halle Berry, Holly Berry. And, uh, but she's every bit as talented as, as the other Berry. And in this, in this hour, we're going to talk to uh, Randy Hathaway and we'll find out all about what he's done, play some music for you, um, talk about theory. And, well, actually, Eric, I, I, Eric Hall is with us. Hi. Hi. And go ahead, and I would love for you, since you guys are old, old roommates and you stole his cat, I would love for you to... <laughs> I would love... I, I, I stuck would, out one night. We just <laughs> disappeared with her. <laughs> I would love you to introduce Randy. This is Randy Hathaway. He is a classical guitarist, been in the Northwest, uh, gosh... Well, we met at uh, we met in 1990. Yeah, and he used to live in Yakima. He moved to Seattle, Washington, to attend Cornish, and that's where we met back in 1990. And he's been a huge part of uh, the Seattle classical guitar scene ever since. And he recently put out an album, Classical Guitar in America, that is absolutely stunning, absolutely stunning, and really kind of groundbreaking in a lot of ways. And what's, uh, in my mind, significant about this album is that it really adds to the fabric of American music. And as you hear the story and, and hear the pieces, hear uh, segments of the music from it, you'll, you'll understand why I say that it does add to the fabric of uh, American music. Because you did focus on what American music is. Isn't that correct? I don't think consciously I did. I think it just came out naturally, and I think that's one of the the more interesting aspects is that I had never really listened to any American composers prior to writing this music. And I should clarify, this album is my compositions, and I only play on one track as sort of a cameo. So I really haven't played professionally on the classical guitar for about 19 years, uh, but I compose, and I... I very fortunate to have other people play my music. Hmm. But as far as going back to the American thing, yeah, it's where that started to come out and it's very present on the album. I have no idea. I have no idea. It just started to pour out and this American tonality, I call it. Yeah. And you can hear it. I mean, if you listen to jazz, you obviously know that's jazz. It's an American sound. And when you listen to tracks on my album, you go, wow, there's an American sound within this. Well, I remember you and I used to talk about Copeland. Yeah, that's what led me to listening to Copeland was my my music <laughs> writing it. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I remember I was writing Exodus at the time, and I had already finished up uh, American Sonata, which had a real strong American presence. And even prior to that, I had done a flute and guitar piece called Engage, and I was having this very strong American presence in that. Now, I think of Burl Ives. Do you? Yeah, when, when uh, I hear Sonata. Oh, okay. I, I, I think of Burl Ives a bit. And did you have that in mind? No, not at all. Interesting. I, I had no American composers in mind, and all that stuff just started flowing out. And I had, like I said, I hadn't even listened to any American composers. So where that influence came from, I have no idea. But when I was 
writing Exodus, I finally sat down and I thought, where is this stuff coming from? I should sit down and listen to some American composers, see if there's any <laughs> correlation whatsoever between what I'm doing and what they're doing. And the only two composers that came to mind were Aaron Copland and Leonard Bernstein. Those are the ones that were the most popular in my mind. So I went out and I bought some uh, albums of theirs. In fact, the, the Aaron Copland album I got is Leonard Bernstein conducting Aaron uh, Copland's music. Right, right. But I also got some of uh, Leonard Bernstein's uh, own compositions. And it didn't take me very long of listening to Aaron Copland's music before I hugely connected with it. I'm a, to this day, I'm a huge, huge fan of Aaron Copland, period, hands down. Love his music. He's an, he's an American icon. But you know, dancers love Copland's music. Well, he wrote a lot for dance. And I know p- dancers love your music, right? You have an upcoming piece. And wasn't that one of the first things I said? I think dancers are going to love your music. Yeah, um, I've heard that. I've, I've had some friends who's, <laughs> whose significant others have uh, danced in the professional world of ballet and stuff. And uh, I will hear stories. I've been playing your music around uh, the home and so-and-so is doing interpretive dance to it. <laughs> oh, it makes you great. think. Your your music has this unique ability to really reflect. Yeah, engage and, you. Yeah, engage That's and, and excellent. You spend time. Excellent. And I, and I know this is a weird phrase to say, but it makes you go inside and, and really think about uh, what's happening inside that piece. It, Oh, good. For some reason, it makes you sort of moody. Good, good. Yeah, so, I then, love it. Since, since we're talking about this, maybe we should play some so that people can get an idea of what in the world you guys are talking about. Well, Excellent. we could, yeah, why don't, you know, we could do some of the, uh, the, be great to go to the blue disc. I have, this is actually a double CD I have. Right. So I have a red disc and a blue disc. Which um, is an interesting story by itself. Which is an interesting <laughs> story by itself. Maybe we won't get into Let's go down to track um, one, two, three, four. How about five, six, and seven of the Blue Desk? And this is Exodus. These are the last tracks of a larger suite. It's a 17-minute piece for guitar and viola. It's a beautiful piece. And it's a beautiful piece, and it has the most iconic American sound on the whole album. But there's bits of this sound uh, on other tracks. Um, I think this feels a little bit more rooted in the mid-20th century, which and the story actually goes to the more mid-19th century, uh, the migration from the east to the west. Uh, but it's a, it's, a big, it's a big work of 17 minutes for viola and flute, but, or excuse me, viola and guitar, but we're going to hear just the last three movements, so maybe just a four minutes. Five minutes of it, if you want to. Oh, cool. Y'all, ab- absolutely. Well, I want I want people to get an idea yeah. of what it is that you have in your head that you put out there and is now in a yeah. double CD. Especially since we just talked about Copeland. Ex- sure. Exactly. So this is Randy Hathaway, and this is Exodus.
And that is Randy Hathaway. And from his uh, double CD, which is uh, Classical Guitar in America. That's correct. And uh, that that is a beautiful piece. We were sitting there, and we were all kind of mesmerized by it yeah. and trying to think of, you know, of the visuals that could go along with it and stuff. It's it's a beautiful piece of work. Where did you where did you come from? Where did you learn to do all of this? Um, I think uh, I think it's been a process because uh, I have a degree from Cornish College of the Arts, and I was specifically back in that time doing classical guitar performance. And then post college, I got together with a couple friends from the Seattle Opera. And uh, I started doing a lot of arranging, so I would arrange my own parts. And then composing came after that, so everything kind of morphed in in that direction. So I don't have any, I don't have any formal education in composing, but I have formal education in classical music. And so I think you know, just carried those experiences, and somehow it just started to formulate out of necessity in a way. <laughs> Absolutely, Holly, what'd you think? I loved it. It was beautiful. <laughs> the matter, as a matter of fact, if you'd like to um, get a CD, you can come to Randy's car. Yeah, come to my, come <laughs> to my just... Jeep. It'll be in the parking lot. I got a few out there. <laughs> and also, what's your website? RandyHathaway.com. Spelled how? H-A-T-H-A-W-A-Y. Uh, and Randy's just R-A-N-D-Y. So if you do RandyHathaway.com, you can do uh, CDs, or you can also do downloads, which a lot of people are doing nowadays. And I've got it set up so you can download individual pieces or the whole album. And also have a, uh, if you have uh, musician friends, uh, all the pieces on the album have been published into sheet music. So we have all the sheet music up there as well. And there's other things to explore. I've got a couple documentaries up there and uh, some radio interviews, picks, and all kinds of goodies. So if you are a guitarist yeah. and you would like to play this, yeah. then you can pick up the sheet music. You could pick up the sheet music, yeah, absolutely. And and the album's got voice on it. We've got um, five pieces for voice and guitar, voice and flute. You just heard voice and, or I keep saying voice. It's guitar and flute, guitar and viola. And then we've got some solos, duos, trios, quartets. So it's really got a lot of variety going. But your guitar sounds like a voice because you're speaking a language through it. Sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd be as deep as I could get. Well, I think like each instrument is like a cast member of a TV series or show or something like that, and they're playing out this act. Yeah. So a voice does make sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, the guitar is also a melodic instrument. I mean, the beautiful thing about it is it can be self-contained because it, it's, it's got the ability, like the piano, to create harmony. But it can uh, create beautiful melody. But then when you put the viola, uh, you've got to give it, you know, plenty of room to take the melody there. So we, we gave the viola a lot of beautiful lines in that piece that you could just listen to. It's almost like you put, we're putting a script together. I, I thought about it all the way through. And I was. It was a story. I had in my mind what it would be like to um, to migrate from the east to the west during uh, the 19th century you know, American lifestyle. And uh, I watched, you know, a few documentaries and read books and was, you know, heard stories from my family about their migrations and where our family came from and talked to friends about where their family came from. 
everybody migrated out here for the most part, you know, at some point. Everybody did. Pretty much, except for the indigenous people who were here. Everybody else migrated out here, and uh, so there's lots of stories. And that really intrigues me because that is, I mean, today travel is planes and trains and cars, and it's just easy and quick. And then back then it would have been horse and probably wagon. And to think about how rough that would be and what people would have to go through. I mean, you would have to have so much tenacity to be able to pull something like that together with your family and friends, leave someplace, leave your life, and take a chance on going across this huge continent and settling. So anyway. And there were no gas stations you could stop to go use the restroom either. I can't believe that. No, can't pick up a Twinkie, <laughs> Sucker's Bar. We're, t- we're talking with uh, um, uh, Randy Hathaway and Eric Hall is here. Holly Berry is here, and I'm here, and we're going to go take a break right now because we need to sell some advertising for uh, Martha. So go buy her products. Go look at what she's doing, um, and we'll be right back. You're listening to KKNW, 1150 AM. Chickens. We have chickens in the house. By the way, this is the last Sunday of the month. Which means it's Positive Talk Sunday with Kevin McDonald. How is everybody today? I get I, that CD. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there is a CD. That she has one. It's Martha's got... And in, during uh, um, the holiday season, she's got the Jingle Cats. Does she really? Yeah. That is a classic. It makes too, you want to dance to it. It's <laughs> that, like, upbeat. <laughs> it, some people go... Well, wait till you hear the pigs. That's a nice... That's coming. Uh, <laughs> the pigs are a whole different thing. But but Martha is a is a wonderful hostess, and she does a great job of of allowing me to come here and to bring my friends and some really really talented people. Thank Holly you, Berry Martha. was here last last uh, uh, hour. She's still here. She's she's, she's, still here. she's, she's in the other room. Yep. In the yeah. other room. Yep. And uh, she's going to stay here with us, and uh, and we're just going to have a great time. We're talking with Randy Hathaway. He is um, the creator of Classical Guitar in America. It's a double CD, and uh, it is all his compositions. It all came from his brain, which came from somewhere else, which <laughs> I'm not sure that he knows. Where we they... don't know where it came from, really. <laughs> None of us. <laughs> it's, it, it's an amazing thing that, you, that, that, you're, that you've done. And I, when, I, when I first met you, I assumed that because you are were a classical guitarist mm-hmm. and you are um Eric set it up that when a world famous person comes to town who is a guitarist of note that a lot of times they would look you up because and this comes from you said this Eric. I know I said this yeah. <laughs> and they <laughs> would stick to it. they would look you up because <laughs> of your abilities and and so he lived with you he knows he stole your cat he knows everything that's right i do when to steal his cat too <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so I assume that you played on these, but you had a group of people that helped you, and including the last one that we played, which was Exodus. You had, uh, uh, viola. yeah, we had Graham. Yeah, we had Graham Banfield on guitar and Julia Posey on the viola, who came from Italy. She flew in from Italy to record that here to Seattle because the whole entire project was uh, recorded here in town and produced here. And primarily most of the players and all the artists are from Seattle area with a few exceptions of like Julia who flew in from Italy. Although he was right when he says you had somebody fly in from Italy to play the viola on your work. That is correct. And I feel very honored by that. Of course. Yeah. Well, I, 
first we had Graham in the studio, the guitarist uh, recording a piece of mine called Winter's Arrival for Solo Guitar. And Julie was accompanying him at the time. They were dating, and it was her first time in America. They met over in Europe. And uh, after the recording session, just talking with Graham, having a great time, I said, Graham, I would love to bring you back to record this iconic piece, Exodus, and I just need to find a violist. And then he, of course, points to Julia and says, what about Julia? She's a violist, and we've played together, and she's been trained since she was four years old in Italy. The real deal. So I sent them the music. They said okay, and then um, uh, the the money that I pretty much paid her to to uh, record Exodus was pretty much what she paid or put into her plane ticket, which was really sweet of her. But uh, as, as you can tell, she is remarkably uh, beautiful on her instrument. Her she's perfect. Yeah, her, yeah, she's yeah. perfect. And uh, and of course, Graham is just fantastic as well. In fact, Graham, out of the 18 musicians, Graham put more minutes on this album uh, by, than anybody really else. They play really well together. Yeah, they man. play well I together. I got to ask, did they work out? No. She oh, married somebody sorry. else, and he went to New York. I'm sorry. But dude. they are, you know what? They're still friends. Are they? I, I I'm think not surprised. So. I'm not surprised. But, you know, I don't ever really ask. I thought they broke up because of the album. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, a breakup album. Yeah. After yeah. the recording session, they were like, we're done. <laughs> Can't no, take it <laughs> no, they play beautifully together. Yeah, they do. Didn't yeah. it impress you that you could get 18 musicians to come and play on this, and they did it because they believe in you? Um, I never thought of it that way, but um, I was I was very honored to get that many. I didn't plan on getting that many. I really thought nine or less, um, but the very first musician I started to recruit kind of let me know. It was like, wow, I've got a lot of projects going and everybody else does too. And maybe I could play on one or two. And I thought, okay, that'd be great. And then I thought, Ooh, one or two, I got 15 compositions. Uh Oh, I have to start recruiting folks. Well, you know, this, so. this speaks to the level that these people take seriously their yeah. music, you oh, know, absolutely. how committed they are to their projects because, yeah, yeah. you know, and this music also, I realized that would have been taxing. I, I could have gotten away with using four classical guitarists to record everything on this album. But that would have been really taxing. That would have like been take, telling somebody to take two years out of their life. Like, forget, drop all your projects. Come learn my music for the next two years. And then, I mean, they probably would have if I would have shown them big, huge rock star money. And I didn't have that. So, you know, being able to commit to one or two songs much easier, but that also required me to recruit thirteen <laughs> classical guitarists to the album. Yeah, but but doesn't that mean that each song has got its own flavor because yeah. of the interpretation brought by each individual artist? Um, it can be. Although I was I was a little bit of a dictator there. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, I kind of figured out out in the live world they can do whatever they want with my music, and they will, and they have. But in the studio and in the rehearsals, um, I always want to hear their opinion, and I'm super open to that. But at the end of the day, they know that I will make the decisions of, no, I don't want that, and I, I need more of this. And everybody was really cool. My whole idea is to like make a really good relationship with the musicians so that everybody feels like extremely accomplished about what they're doing. But it's also going to be my decision uh, on how things go uh, with it. Because like I said... It's my one chance to show off my compositions to the world. And then as they go out there and they perform, and many have, 
Um, they'll they'll do whatever they want. Well, that's how you sustain the integrity throughout the album. Yeah, you know, it really, it really, once you sit down and and listen to it uh, completely, you can hear that influence through the whole piece. It doesn't unravel and have all these different influences doing different things. You can hear a cohesion to it. Yeah, it really comes across well. I'm so curious with the whole business background stuff that I have. Uh, yeah project like that sounds enormous yeah. i'm so curious the history how long it took you it took like... me a 10 well as far as financials i <laughs> saved up for this project for 10 years wow and um i had been writing the music for uh probably you know a dozen years knowing that i would would love to record it you know an album someday and so as i kept writing and it, i kept thinking well we're gonna start saving some money so I saved up, yeah, 10 years. And then when I finally decided to pull the trigger, it actually took three more years to um, do the production of this. It took a year and a half to record all the musicians, a year and a half to mix and master the music. That's an so amazing we, amount. It is amazing yeah. amount. So it, it's, you know, um, 10 years of saving, three years of it. So, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good chunk of time to, to get an album out. You out. really had a passion for it. Yeah, I'm really driven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I used to come home and he'd be at his laptop. He's sitting on the sofa. Oh, you got to hear this. And I'd sit down and, and the computer, because you're using what program that would play I use that? Sibelius. Sibelius, that? that's yeah. right. And we'd go, bum, bum, da-da, bum, bum, da-da. Yeah. That's why Eric was. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> and after after about six months, you know, I've got all this stuff embedded in my head. I could I could just you know, I'm I'm driving down the road and I'm starting to sing, bum, bum, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I'm glad that got in your head a little bit. <laughs> yes, it did. But in a good way. Right? <laughs> but in a good way. I was so happy to hear a guitar playing yeah. rather than the computer. Because boy, it sounds so much better on a on a guitar than it does at the computer. Yeah, and actually, that's that's no a, offense, it, Sibelius. That's an issue you have to go through. Is when, as a composer, and you're writing with these computers nowadays. Back in the day, we used to write everything down by hand. When I was doing all my arrangements, they were all done by hand because I didn't have this program. But the program makes it great because you can do playback, and uh, you can put headphones on. You can close your eyes. You can really sync in and listen. But you get synthetic instruments. And, and unfortunately, my program's older, and it can sound like a really bad 80s Casio keyboard. <laughs> and so it really trips you out sometimes. You go, is it going to really sound that bad? And then I have to get on my guitar and I go, no, it sounds good on the guitar. Go back to the computer. Ooh, that sounds horrible. So you play this game with yourself back and forth. Interesting. And that's why you always have to get the music out there and 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 get a good read-through with the musicians Interesting. before you ever have it performed or recorded, just to make sure that you are on track, because you do have those questions it, and um, all the time, even now. Because huh. you, you also used the keyboard upstairs, too, while you were... No, I never did. No? No, I just sat there for looks. Did it? Yeah. yeah. It, it made me look uh, like I was actually uh, yeah. more <laughs> sure. well-rounded as a composer. <laughs> Having a keyboard, I write everything on the guitar, even the viola, the voice, the flute, and I've done recently English horn. Uh, I've written really, a, I've gotten away from guitar and I've written a uh, choral piece, a cappella. So the woodwind instrument, it all on the guitar, the woodwind instrument, the English horn, the woodwind, yeah, instrument. which is an oboe family. I did a yeah. beautiful. That's called Urban Dance, a piece for guitar and 
And uh, and so all the melody, everything I do, I write on the guitar, which is really unusual. Hmm. Never used the piano yet, but maybe someday I will. Oh, it is classical guitar in America. Yeah, but I'm starting to write further in some. I'm in the middle of a string quartet right now, traditional strings, and I'm again, I'm right, I'm voicing everything out on the guitar, which actually surprisingly most people wouldn't realize this. That instrument works so well for writing a cappella choirs, and uh, the the strings that I'm working on right now, the quartet, the range is like phenomenally great. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, so once you learn the ranges of the baritone and your tenors and your alto sopranos, and you transfer that back and forth between a string quartet or a choir, and then you look at the guitar, you're like, ah, it just fits beautifully. Now, is that because of the way the guitar is keyed? I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's it, Part of it is that the, when you, yeah, the lowest note on the guitar pretty much is very similar to the lowest notes that a baritone singer can sing comfortably, and we can tune down to the lowest note of the cello. So we've got those instruments taken care of. Uh, the tenors and the altos, all perfectly up the strings. The only thing that can go much higher is that you, you keep in mind the violins and soprano singers can go a bit higher than the guitar can go. Uh, okay. A bit higher. A bit so, higher. But everything else is there. It's great. Anyway, enough said. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> I, I want to hear more. This yeah. is my Thanks. first. What about the first one you started recording in that three years? That boy, I'm trying to remember what <laughs> the first one is. Um, I wonder if we should uh, try something. Why don't we try something a little different here? Uh, because when I was learning classical guitar back when I was uh, 19, and then I got to Cornish when I was 21, I loved uh, the flamenco. And mm -hmm. South American world. And so there's a little splattering of that on this album, too. So there's a beautiful piece called Le Beau Tango. It is on the red disc. I love that piece. And it is track number five. And this is Whitney Lyman, vocalist, and Jessica Papkoff, guitarist. And this is uh, just some beautiful... I love her voice. Beautiful old song that I found some words to, and I had already written the music, and I incorporated it together. It's called Le Beau Tango. Before we do that, we're going to take a break. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> um, in any event, we're talking with Randy Hathaway, and Eric Hall is here, and Holly Berry, and we're going to take this break, and then when we come back, we'll reintroduce yeah. that song and have, uh, yeah. and we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and welcome back to Martha Norwalk's Animal World, although it's not really Martha Norwalk's Animal World. It's Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald because this yeah. is the last Sunday of the month. And um, who do we got? We, we got lions this time. And giraffes. Lions and elephants. I don't know if giraffes make a noise. I don't think I they really have like enough vocal cords to actually <laughs> make a sound. <laughs> Eric is over there snoring. So. Sasquatch sound. That's oh, a Sasquatch, Sasquatch sound. <laughs> so we're talking with Randy Hathaway, and we set up to play this song. Uh, what song are we playing again? We're going to listen to Le Beau Tango, uh, and the instrumentalists are Whitney Lyman. Uh, voice and Jessica Papkoff guitar. And this is classical guitar in America.
And that is Randy Hathaway from his CD, Classical Guitar in America. You know, I'm struck, Randy, that that song was nothing like the previous song. No, no, that was one of the reasons why it was great to show it off. Um, it's like I was uh, back in college and I was uh, learning classical guitar. The Spanish and Latin repertoire was just really intoxicating to me. And, uh, and so there there's another piece called Gypsy de Malaga on the album, which is just a full-on flamenco-ish uh, composition for four guitars. And we just heard La Botango, which is for voice and guitar. So a little bit of the Latin and Spanish do come into my music because I just love that music so much. It's so passionate. Um, so Now, when you were a kid, yeah, in, I was a teenager or even preteen, yeah. what music did you listen to? Heavy metal. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I see. I figured as much. Yeah. Uh, who Who was your favorite uh, band? Ooh, you know, probably back then there was there was. I think starting out with the hard rock scene of Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith, moving into probably with Judas Priest and Metallica stuff. You know, and progressively getting into harder and harder repertoire, more faster stuff, different types of metal, speed metal, yada yada yada. Uh, well, you and, were in rock bands. When yeah, you and I, I played lead guitar in, in these metal bands when I was a teenager, and I started to just kind of burn out. I was starting to get bored, and I don't know if it was because of the guitar or the music or I was just losing the challenge. So that's when I started to study classical. I was hoping to give myself a boost, see if I could uh, get re-energized with music because I was working so hard at it. I was putting like six to eight hours a day on my guitar, playing in these bands, and... Um, and was finding myself losing interest after about three or four years. And then I started studying classical guitar, and I was like, whoa, this is a different animal. This is a real different animal. I wasn't for sure how to think about it. And then, like I said, when I started seeing the the, the really fast flamenco and the really rhythmic uh, South American Latin music, I started to connect with those aspects. Not that I didn't connect also with the traditional composers as well. Uh, from, you know, the Baroque and classical and even Renaissance periods. I certainly have. Well, uh, yeah. you know, just sitting here to listen to you talk, it's like, I'm, it's like I'm talking with my nephew who's a computer geek. Yeah. And it's like you speak a whole different language. Um, I, I, you know, because all of the things that you have going on, on in your head, it's like, you know, I'm still stuck with Led Zeppelin and, uh, and uh, 
Do you, do you, now, Holly's a little younger than us. <laughs> My first cassette tape was uh, Metallica Inner Sandman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a great piece of writing, that. Well, see, this is what it's like growing up in America. Yeah. You know, we, we have this pop culture that we call culture, but it's really kind of narrow to rock and roll. And there isn't very many people that listen to classical music. You go to other countries around the world, you go to Europe, and classical music is sort of built into their pop culture. You go to Asia, it's built into their yep. pop culture. Yep. And that just isn't built in in America, unless you're fortunate to have parents or family friends that uh, listen to it. Uh, Introduce you to it somehow. Yeah, at a yep. young age, and you get hooked. And, yeah. and there just isn't that many of us that get hooked on it in it. There's so much good music out in this world. Like um, I was talking when we were in break at one point about I also like jazz a lot, and I really like the cool school, and I've been listening to a little bit of Dave Brubeck, Miles Davis, and I'm just intrigued by the harmonies of jazz. And I've always liked jazz, though, especially when I got to Cornish. I think that's when I started to really appreciate it. So when you become introduced to it and you're just around it, you hear things that you don't hear in other music. I mean, there are things in jazz you just don't hear anywhere else. Mm. And there are things in classical music that I get that I can't get anywhere else, anywhere, in other types of music. So um, you are right. In Europe, they're, they're very uh, well-versed with this. I wish we were a little bit more here, but it's never too late for anybody to ever just try things out. Now, is that, beca- is that because we just don't... Have never really done it. They have or? a longer history. I mean, you know, they've got hundreds of years of classical right. music history, and the most well-known composers of that field are from there. And we have a much smaller history of composers from the classical world. I blame it on our car culture, <laughs> and I'm I'm going out on a limb when I say this because forgive me, I love cars. I love cars, <laughs> but. Highway 66 was the downfall of classical music. Because? Well, because that built its own culture of rock and roll. That really engaged rock and roll as a popular culture. That was the rise of it. Because radio became very involved. People tuned into their radios, and that was the time that, uh, oh, Elvis Presley and, and those guys were really getting hot. And, and, and the Beach Boys. And, and the Beach Boys. Jan and Dean and... And that was getting popular. And we're a youth-oriented culture. And cars, rock and roll represents the youth. And since we're capitalists, we're capitalist dogs, we focused on that. And, and let's face it, our attention spans are really kind of focused on, you know, back then probably seven minutes and less. And classical music can challenge us. You know, let's let's play a half hour or 28 minutes of a, of a good piece of music and make us think a bit. Well, you couldn't get on AM radio or in those days AM radio unless See? if it was longer than three and a half minutes. That's part of my Highway 66 killing classical music. Because <laughs> name how many pieces of classical music is uh, would He's, fit into a popular radio format. You've actually thought about this. I came up with it. It's out there. <laughs> you <laughs> you know, need I'm to sitting, copyright I'm sitting that. on the part of me that uh, came up with this. But seriousness, that, that fits, right? Well, and it's even biggest aspect of it for sure. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's even progressed to that. Like TikTok, it's fifteen seconds or less. There you go. <laughs> and look at American educational system. Is it really fifteen seconds or less? Or less? Yeah. Isn't that Ooh. insane? I what, see what you're what saying. What can you do in yeah, fifteen seconds? It's amazing yeah. what they yeah. can do. 
15, but I, I don't think it's necessarily a good right. thing. I don't know. It has yet to be seen, but yeah. Well, there we go. And, and then we can go back into our dyslexic conversation about the evolutionary <laughs> process, but mm -hmm. that's something we can talk in talk about before because music is tied into that as well. Yeah. I just want to bring up Lady Gaga for a minute. I mean, she's a really well-known American pop singer uh, among many generations, especially youth. But one thing that a lot of people forget about is she's actually a very well-trained classical musician. Yes, And if you go onto YouTube too. and you search like Lady Gaga, you know, piano playing or something like that, it is just breathtaking what she can do mm -hmm. classically in addition to being this really well-known pop singer because she's so well-trained in classical music. See, I love pop music uh, still. I mean, obviously, I grew up on it. You know, we, we all, when we were kids, we, we listened to the radio and what was available to us at the time and what our friends were into. And I learned things about pop music that I use even in my classical compositions. And one of the things is, is how to write a good hook how to mm -hmm. get a nice thing stuck in your head and not to be afraid of repeating something a little bit. Although one of the things I think that we do miss was you hit upon it uh, about TikTok in 15 seconds or less is uh, this attention span problem that we have, that we've created, we've started building into our society where does anybody ever sit down and listen to a whole piece of music with a pair of headphones on, close their eyes and really listen? And do they have the attention span to listen for 10 or 20 minutes to a larger piece of work? Not very many people do. And I feel that's, I, that I feel sad about because um, too many times people listen to music as background, like in your car, as you mentioned, or somewhere else. And even just sitting down on your couch and really listening. And I think people sometimes need to ask themselves, when's the last time I really, really listened to a piece of music uninterrupted? somewhere on a couch, a chair, a bed, maybe even put some headphones on. Uh, and even the quality of our sound of the, you know, we have all this new technology that's come out. Uh, that doesn't mean the sound quality has gotten better. <laughs> it's actually meant quite the opposite. It means our sound quality over the last decade compared to the decade before that, compared to the decade before that, has diminished greatly. To so, technology. Randy, right? I want to kind of circle back since you're talking about that to your blue CD, the song Exodus. We were mm -hmm. talking about how you have different voices or instruments going on mm -hmm. throughout that piece, and it's kind of like a scenario or a setting. Mm -hmm. And when that song was playing, you know, each section of an instrument playing a part in that song, maybe about, you know, 15 to 30 seconds each. Right. So is that something that on a... I might be putting you on the spot here, but that you, whole 15 you, second attention span thing going from one instrument to another, is that something you've No, I think that's kind of com common in all types of music. Mm -hmm. You know, you have motivic ideas, but you, you glue them together. You know, they are on a journey. Uh, so everything's flowing, and that flow could happen for four, five, seven, ten minutes, you know, whatever the case may be. I've got some pieces that are sectional but they never have a complete break and they go about eight minutes long. Mm. Um, where in, in rock music, the old saying is like, you know, if you've got to create something popular in three minutes or less, although a lot of rock and pop musicians create things much longer than that, but that is sort of, uh, 
something that has well known around the music community in the pop world is that you want to write short, keep it short, three or under. There's actually uh, um, some musicians now that are putting together a the song for their CD release and also for radio release. And one is three minutes long, yeah. and the other one okay. is quite a bit yeah. longer. Exactly what I was saying. And, you know, I really wish that, the, you know what, that's driven by the industry. And I really wish yeah. the industry would get out and uh, of, of people's, you know, creative processes so much. Because that is stifling to be able to say, hey, you know, we... We've, we've done these, you know, tests, and our listeners can only listen for three minutes or less. So you'll have to release your song, you know, for this. And then you, but you can do it on your own on your album for, you know, if it's four and a half minutes. I don't know. That's just, you know, this beautiful thing about being an independent artist and doing the project, I was able to do it exactly the way I wanted it to. Nobody influenced me. And I think the quality's better than if I would have went to a large company, to be honest with you. I think the quality of the sound production is better. I think the quality of the sheet music I put out when I look at other uh, publishing companies and I look at mine, the art, the typesetting of all the notes, it's it's way higher quality. And nobody had to, I didn't have to listen to anybody tell me that I need to do this or that. I'd love to see you put that in vinyl too. I, I Like I said, maybe eight track as well. <laughs> <laughs> No, the, the reason, because vinyl's making a comeback. Yeah. And uh, the, the sound quality is so much better than an MP3 or even a WAV format. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really cool. But we need to take a break for the top of the hour. And Holly, would you like to take us out for the top of the hour break? We're here on Martha Norwalk's radio show. <laughs> Martha Norwalk's Animal World. Very Animal good. World. And this is the once a month um Stand in where she can get a day off with Kevin McDonald, Positive Talk, KKNW, 1150 AM. And I thought I was putting Randy on the spot. (laughs) Very well done. She passed with flying colors. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back. Love Train's coming up next, and we'll let Martha say her yogi energization prayer. So remember to keep those places in mind that are really struggling in the world right now and can use some of the Love Train as well. Send it out and bring the energy. Here we go. O infinite spirit, recharge our bodies with thy conscious cosmic energy, our minds with thy concentration and determination, our souls and all souls with thy ever new joy. O eternal youth, body and mind, abide in us forever and forever via the love train. 